Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we are continuing our season previews. We are switching over to the West and starting with the Central Division this this week. Um, Before we get into that, we have some signing news. One of us is on a team in this division, thankfully, so we'll wait until we get to them. Um, The other one was a Metro team that we covered last week, so figured we go over. It's a big enough signing. Uh, The Columbus Blue Jackets signed uh, Elvis... Oh, man, I always butcher his last name. Merzlikens, I believe. That's my best uh, pronunciation of it. Uh, he gets, was it five years by 5.4? I should have probably looked that up. Yes, five years, 5.4 AAV, um, $27 million total. Chase, what are your thoughts on this? This is a lot for a guy who has not played a lot. Yeah, they're paying for save percentage in a small sample behind a team that made life relatively easy on a per-shot basis for their goalie. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of falls in line with some of the other RFA goalies we've seen this year. Um, like, it kind of my um, uh, Sorokin obviously signed a three-year, four-mil deal a couple weeks ago. Saro signed a big one. Now, Saro definitely has more of a body of work. But even uh, Shesterkin signed a four-year 5.6. Like, this reminds me a lot of the Shesterkin deal where neither of them have that much. But Elvis is also three. Like, I don't think people realize Elvis is 28 already. Yeah, he kind of gets talked about like he's a young guy, but he is absolutely not that. And I guess that's because he, like, his rookie year was, like, last year, like, technically two years ago now. But, like, the first COVID season was his, uh, his rookie year, correct? Yeah, he was 26 in his rookie year. Yeah, so those players always tend to feel a lot younger than they actually are. Um, his, like, raw save percentage looks fine, but Columbus has been at least decent defensively, so he still ends up looking like a pretty average goalie, which makes me kind of wonder who they were bidding against for this, but also doesn't seem disastrous either. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think the cap hit would make more sense if he was like four years younger, where Sorokin and Shosturkin and Samsonov are, you know, in that 24, 25 year range. But I don't know. At the, even, you know, like Carter Hart's 22 signed a three year deal. At the same time, you know, given what we've talked about Columbus and how they're clearly rebuilding, it's kind of like the Wierenski deal where, like, I just don't think it's really going to hurt them all that bad. No, like just assuming he's average ish. Um, it's kind of, you'd probably rather not have this contract, even if you assume he's average ish, but I mean, if he's making like 4.8 or something, maybe that's the market value. So it's not even disastrous as long as he doesn't load. The other thing I don't really understand, this doesn't kick in until next year. Yeah. So like they're really, I guess they're really betting that he's going to have a big year this year and his money was going to go even further up and maybe like. I just so don't know he, how, like, even if he's amazing, looking at that roster and assuming, like, save percentage and wins drive the contract value, like, he has to be, like, a top five goalie in the league to look that good this year, I think. Well, and it's it's one of the things. So I should say that it's 28 when the contract starts. He's 27 now. Cap friendly, I guess, already adjusts for it. So he'd have been 25 when he was a rookie. But still, um, it, it's the other thing, too, where it's like, what's the best case scenario? Because if he is worth this contract and looks really good, that probably means he's taking them out of a lottery pick, which they desperately need. Yeah. He is. If he's amazing, he Corey Schneider's them. And if he's bad, they just sign a dog shit contract. 
for a yeah. very long time. So, like, it's one of those things where I don't really envy the position either because, like, like I guess uh, we saw um, Kemper get traded to the Avs for a haul this year, but, like, outside of Kemper, what was the last really big goalie haul we've seen? Oh, well, probably Freddie for that first. Back yeah, in. and, like, Freddie Corey Schneider is the other one I can yeah. yeah, Schneider for a first as well, and he's had time to be amazing and then wash out and be out of the league for a little bit. Yeah, like Schneider in a first was what? How, over half a decade ago now. Well yeah, over, it was a little bad draft, so what was that, 2013 or 2012? 2012, I think. Yeah, so that's almost a decade ago. Yeah, so like that, like it's just – it's one of the situations where I really don't envy them because um, like I, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Like. Yeah, because, like, what do they get for him? A third? Probably. Probably. Maybe a second. You could probably get a second, maybe an okay prospect. But, like, even then you have to sell a team that this is, like, your future goalie. And who are you doing that to? Like, most teams have a goalie that need one. Yeah. I guess unless you're just wait till shit hits the fan in Carolina and hope they panic. (laughs) Yeah. like That's, like, the only obvious mark if you're trying to dump a goalie right now. Horvat was 2013. But still, so that means that was eight years ago. Like. Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things where like, the best case scenario for them is that he's not worth it for the first two years of this deal and somehow is worth it for the back three, which uh, we don't see very often. Um, but like, that's kind of what they've set themselves up for here. Yeah. Cause people don't tend to get better at 30, which is probably going to be how old he is when they want to start competing. Yeah. Like, 30, maybe 31. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing to bring up with, uh, and like, this is a weird core, right? Like they picked up Vorchek, who's got three more years. Who knows what they're doing with Patrick Line, eh? Uh, it looks like Nyquist might actually be healthy this year. Bjorkstrand's got five more years. Like, I don't think this team is going to be just like God awful, but like if they get average goaltending, like I just see them kind of being like sixth, seventh, last in the league. And that is just a not great place to be at all. Yeah, exactly. They seem primed to just be out of the lottery, but not, not like bad enough. The the type of team that like sells one player at the deadline because they're kind of still in it, not really though, and then doesn't really get any assets and just hovers around five hundred for the year. Yeah, exactly. Like they're they're seven points out, so they're like, oh, we can't really sell. But then you check any reasonably calibrated model, and it's like, oh yeah, they have a zero point three percent chance of making the playoffs or whatever. Yeah, like I, I don't know. So um, I guess the other thing to bring up quickly with Columbus too is they told Zach Ronaldo to go uh, f himself. Basically, uh, he's not vaccinated, so he was one of the fifteen players or whatever it was announced this past week. I think that almost ninety eight percent plus are going to be vaccinated by the start of the season. Uh, Ronaldo was out on, yeah, exactly. Right. Like that's really, really good. Um, Ronaldo was out at an anti vaccine passport speech a couple weeks ago. And uh, I guess also doesn't have his vaccine and they told him he can go straight to the AHL. So they are, they fired a coach obviously last week too. Um, They are very hard set here on uh, if you're not vaccinated, you're not coming to be a part of the NHL team. I, I find it weird that they send them to the AHL. Like, you think they just terminate his contract. Yeah, especially because it's Zach Ronaldo. Like, it's one of those things where even if you're one of those people who's like, oh, it should be your right to choose or whatever, like, you have to understand with an infectious disease going around, 
if you're only Zach Ronaldo, you're not worth putting up with if there's a chance you're getting people sick on the team. No, exactly. Like we saw in the NFL, Cam Newton wasn't worth it. Like you think yeah. the worst NHL, regular NHL skater is going to be worth it? Like, Yeah, exactly. It's just not worth the headache. It's not worth the risk, any of it. Like you're, you're Zach Ronaldo. Why do you think people would care to make exceptions for you? Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right, that's probably a good enough talk on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's get to the Central Division and start our preview there. Um, a team that I think most people are not going to remember for a little while here as we start the season in the, that are that they're in the Central is kicking off the Central. I think I would be absolutely shocked if you had a different team at eighth coming in here because I have the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, you got a galaxy brain it to have anyone but Arizona here. They are comfortably the worst or second worst team in the league. It's really them and Buffalo, just the tank wars are they're on already. Yeah, um, I have them in their own tier because they're that shit. I think there's one other team that has no chance, like absolutely no chance of playoffs in this division, but I literally couldn't put them in the same tier because the Coyotes are so, so much worse. Yeah, I did the same thing. Uh, Arizona and Buffalo could get a tier of their own, but I don't think there's any other team in the league that belongs there. Maybe Detroit. Even then, like I, I like Detroit has NHL players. They're not great, but they're NHL players. Yeah, Detroit at least is going to feel like a really good top line, probably. And like as much as I say that Melkovich is overrated, I like him in that more than Carter Hutton. And guess the Arizona Coyotes backup right now. You're not going to be able to. No idea. It's Yosef or Joseph, J-O-S-E-F, coroner. I have 20, never heard of this guy. <laughs> 23-year-old Czech Republican, or from, yeah, from the Czech, undrafted. He played games in the NHL last year. He played 10 games with the San Jose Sharks and put up a solid 899. And that is currently the backup of the NHL team. Yeah, these are the kind of goalies that I signed to tank in Ch- with in Chell. You love yes. it. Yeah, and that is exactly what they're doing. Buffalo is trying just as hard. Uh, they signed Carter Hutton, Carter Hutton, who was Buffalo's goalie. Uh, it is going to be an absolute tank off. Um, uh, like the goaltending is just hilarious to look at. You look at the defense core. This I don't hate as much. I'm not going to lie. It's not great, but it's the com- relative strength on this team. That's for yes, sure. by a mile. Uh, obviously, I think we're both really like Jacob Chitron. Uh, you know, he's really kind of, he really came into his own last year. It'll be interesting to see if he can repeat that this year on an absolute dog shit team. Yeah, I, it's going to be tough for him. Although like he's now that, especially since Garland's gone, like he's better at his position than anyone else on this team by a mile. He's going to be one of those guys that like, if you really loved relative numbers is going to be so much higher than anyone else. Oh yeah. He's going to have like. Mark Stone and Eric Carlson on those awful sends teams kind of rel- Corsi rel numbers. Yeah. Um, I, I like the pick up of Shane Dawson's bear and Connor Timmons. Uh, I thought, you know, Timmons is someone I'm going to definitely be keeping an eye on. I really wanted him to crack the abs roster, but they were so deep at defense and they needed a goalie that he was part of that uh, Kemper trade. Um, Gosses bear. Again, I thought that was a very, very solid pickup. Um, obviously with um, uh, draft picks, Anton Strawman's another one where, He's not what he used to be, but I think he'll be a fine third pair defenseman. Maybe your number four. Like you run out of top four of Chitrin, Gossespierre, Timmins, and Strawman. Like 
it's not great, but you could do work. Like compared to the rest of this team, you're doing a lot better. Yeah, exactly. And it's always one of those things whenever people try to justify horrible players, they say leadership or whatever, but like at least Strawman was a top two defenseman in this league for a really long time. So if Chikrin's going to learn from anyone, like at least strawman has been a top pair guy for forever. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah. And he, he's been through, he's been on some good teams. He's been on some bad teams, you know, I always forget that Strawman played two mm-hmm. years with the Leafs. I would, yeah, I, I knew the Leafs like drafted him or whatever, but in my head, he didn't play a single game with them. Yeah, but he played 50 and 38, and then he played, he got uh, moved to Columbus where he played, which again, I, I think of him as a Ranger and then uh, uh, Lightning and then yep. the Panthers recently. But I just learned looking at his cap friendly in the middle of this conversation that he ever played for Columbus. In my head, yeah, he me, was a Ranger at the start. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, like, so I, I would say that, you know, Strawman's been there. He's been on some good teams, some bad teams. This will be a bad team. Um, I don't hate their defense. It's definitely the best part of their team by a long shot. Yes, exactly. Um, then you, you move up front and, oh boy, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Phil Kessel gets moved this year, I guess. They have their cap friendly page is so funny. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven of their 14 forwards on the cap friendly roster are expiring this year. And only two of them are RFAs. Jesus. Such a beautiful cap friendly in like a disastrous kind of way. Yeah. It's like definitely that like they're doing all the right things. Like we're talking about, obviously for a just this year, this team is going to be absolutely dog shit, but like, this is the way you need to rebuild. Oh yeah. Like um, it'd be tough to get the exact expected values, but I'm sure they have more like expected draft pick value this year, maybe than any team has ever had ever going into a season yeah especially going in like because obviously you got like the ottawa who had uh, uh three and five last year like that that probably provides when it comes draft time right but yeah with three first round picks five second round picks and then next year they have two thirds and the year after that they have two uh, three seconds and two thirds already like and this is before they even sell anything because like again i already mentioned castle probably yeah, yeah, Kessel, Beagle, I could see getting moved. Um, you know, if, if Ryan Dezingle looks all right, I could see him getting flipped for a, a mid to low round pick. Strawman, maybe if they retain some money. Um, like, there's just so many options here where they can flip them for, you know, I don't, I don't think they're going to get a first for any of these guys by any means, but they've already done that with some of their players, right? And, um, you know, the other thing too is I, I think – when it comes to getting draft picks, people's and rebuilding, people's biggest thing is well, look at like Buffalo. You can't just tear it down because you need actual NHL players there when you're bringing it back up. They still have that. They brought in Gustus Bear. They, you know, like uh, Clayton Keller will be 24, 25 when these guys start getting on the roster. And like you can go sign some free agents as well. It's not like, like, yes, they have stripped this team down to the bones, but there's also a way forward here where I can see, you know, some veterans being mixed in with some younger guys. And that's a good thing for this team. Yeah, exactly. They still have a couple pieces. It's not a, it's not a complete joke, even though there's not, not much there. And the other thing too, is like so much money is going to be off the books again this year. They can do the exact same thing where there's probably going to be three or four teams in cap hell this off season that, have, you know, like um, a David Backus contract that they want to offload 
And, you know, like, I don't know who that is this upcoming year or whatever off the top of my head, but I'm sure Arizona could go and take that and be like, hey, yeah, we'll take a couple veterans for our team, let them mix with a couple more young guys, and they get us to the cap floor again, you know? Yeah, exactly. Also, I think Phil Kessel goes at 50% retained for like a second round pick at the deadline. And honestly, probably Strawman. He seems like the exact kind of defenseman teams trip over to acquire the deadline. So say they do something like that. There's no way they're using, what would that be, six second-round picks? Like, they can be the equivalent of the team taking on the Connor Garland, just dumping the picks, and there you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's so many options, right? So, um, yeah, obviously this team is going to absolutely suck this year. Uh, we'll run through their forwards real quick. Uh, Clayton Keller, Phil Kessel, <laughs> Louis Erickson, Nick Schmaltz, Andrew Ladd. I don't even know if Ladd's playing. I don't think he is. I think he's still hurt. I think he's I think, hurt as well. But I'm yeah, not I'm pretty sure his career is done, unfortunately. I'm pretty sure that it's just more of a money thing. Uh, Ryan Dezingle, Lawson Krause, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, uh, Johan Larson, Kristen Fisher, Travis Boyd. So it'll just be a first line of like Schmaltz, Keller, and Kessel, I guess. And then like three third slash fourth lines. Yeah, and that's pretty tough. That's going to be a painful team to watch. Yeah, I don't really know who's scoring goals for this team this year. Yeah, God, I have no idea. Keller, like, Keller and Kessel on the power play, I guess. Yeah, and that's about it. Yeah. So, um, well, that's enough to talk about the, the Coyotes, I think. Let's move on to the seventh-place team. Um, this team I kind of have in their own division as well because – uh, part of me is what they have now, and part of me thinks they are also going to sell some pieces as the year goes on. That is the Nashville Predators. Yeah, Nashville's bad. They're not yeah. atrocious, but they're they're bad. Yeah, like they're clearly rebuilding. I think it's pretty obvious they're going to flip Forsberg this year and probably Eckholm too. Uh, definitely Eckholm. Like I would be shocked if they don't flip Forsberg as well, and they'll probably get at worst a second and good prospect for both of like for two seconds and two good prospects. But like, I could see both of them going for a first round pick. Yeah. I think it'll be their choice. Either they're walking away with two firsts for those guys, or they're getting like a second or a third. And then like the Brandstrom level of prospect. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and that, that'll be obviously halfway through the year. Um, the X factor for this team is obviously UC Soros who willed them into the playoffs last year and kind of already delayed the rebuild for a year longer than it should have been. Like Eckholm should have been gone last year for even more. Forsberg probably should have been flipped as well. Um, that's kind of the wild card here and definitely why they are way, 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 way better than Arizona. Um, not to mention just they have more talent up front too, but um, like Saros can be a difference maker. I don't see him being good enough to get into the playoffs, but um, like if they were to get in the playoffs, that it would have to be on the back of like just an absolutely Vesna heart caliber season from Saros. Yeah, that's pretty much their only way in because there's no way this team's going to hang with any of the decent teams in the league at five on five. No, um, you know, you look at this other so goaltending Saros and Riddich. I don't mind that at all. I think Riddich is a fine backup. And especially when Saros looks like, you know, hopefully he's ready to take that next step where he can play 50 games at like a high level uh, pace. Um, the blue line, Roman Yossi, Ekholm, Philip Myers, Dante Fabro, and then you have Matthew Benning, Ben Harper, and Mark Borowiecki. Um, I like the top three. Like, I thought Philip Myers was a pretty sneaky pickup for in the Ellis deal as, like, some uh, 
just a player that went back the other way, kind of as a roster dump. Um, obviously, Roman Yossi is a solid defenseman. Uh, Dante Fabro, I think, is very, very overrated. I don't think that is who I would want to take my number one D title coming up as Roman Yossi gets older, but. I think he just got a lot of blind hype because Nashville developed a bunch of defensemen very quickly and people just assumed the next big guy they were going to develop was going to be good, but he has done nothing in the NHL to deserve such a reputation. Yeah. I think he was good in junior too. And like played on a Canadian NHL, like he played on the world juniors in 2017 and 2018. Yeah. That I do Uh, remember. Yeah. So I think it was, it's kind of that classic. He was drafted first round 17th overall played in the world juniors for two years. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, this guy's going to be an absolute stud. Just like every other Nashville predators defenseman. And yeah, he has been like, like really bad. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure his like RAPM numbers are off the charts bad. They're not like that bad, but they're really underwhelming. They're that of like the, what you would expect from a meh or to bad third pair defenseman. Yeah, like this past, okay, yeah, this past year, they definitely improved. Um, last year's, they were ugly, though. Like, his expected goals four per 60 is over three standard deviations negative. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I think people probably think Fabro's a little better than he actually is, and if he's going to, like, assuming an Eckholm trade gets made, he's probably playing top pair right D. Maybe that Philip Myers goes there instead. Um, but he's gonna, then he's going to be able to rely on to probably take his own second pair, and that just seems like it's going to be a disaster for this year. Yeah, that is not going to go well, especially because none of the forwards are going to be able to hide them. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, up front, interesting mix of people. Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, Mikel Granlin, Colton Sissons, Luke Kunin, Rocco Grimaldi, Nick Cousins, Eli Tolvanen, uh, Excuse me, Yakov Trenin, uh, just kind of a like underwhelming group, I would say. Yeah, I think their best forward is my favorite left winger in the league, Roman Yossi. <laughs> yeah, like literally. And that when we talk about defense, that's kind of tough when we just said their best defenseman is even a defenseman. So, yeah, yeah, like there's this team is going to struggle to produce offense. Yeah, and they have for the past couple of years, and they got rid of, you know, one of their better offensive players in the offseason, so. Yeah, and it looks like uh, Forsberg's probably next in line for their best offensive player, and he's going to be on his way out this season, too. Yeah, so, again, rebuilding year. Uh, I think selling is definitely the right thing. I'll be, if there's something to watch, I think, this year for Nashville, it'll be kind of a guy like Tolvanen take a step up. You know, obviously – he dominated the K that one year and all the hype coming over and just kind of has not done anything since. Yeah. Him taking a step would be huge for this team. I don't know how likely it is. Um, he has only played like one season in the NHL and his AHL numbers were actually a little underwhelming too, relative to what he did overseas, but him taking a step would be huge. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I what team do you want to watch more, the Nashville Predators or the Arizona Coyotes? Oh, God. To God. me, this is easy. Nashville? No, to me, it is Arizona because Arizona is going to be so bad, I think it's going to be funny. Yeah, that's fair. I just really like Yossi. I feel like Soros is somewhat interesting to watch in that. That's true. I guess if you if Nashville plays like 
a bunch of two one games where Saros is just standing on his head. That'll be fun to watch. Yeah, like at least you could get into the Nashville game and like pretend that they might win. Arizona. I just oh the Coyotes. It's almost going to be like I will absolutely watch a Coyotes and say like not against each other. That'll just be pure torture. <laughs> but I will definitely sprinkle in a couple of Arizona Coyotes and a couple of Sabres games this year just to see the pure hilarity of what's going on on the ice. Also, I don't know. Did you see the Coyotes uh, went full alternate jersey as their new home and away? Did they? Yep. The uh, yeah, the uh, Kachina is now. They have been white as well, and it is going to be their full time jersey. Hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. It looks really good. So at least they look. They're going to look good on the ice, uh, jersey wise. Definitely not play wise. Uh, do you have anything else on the Predators? No, I do not think so. Okay, me either, because uh, there's not a lot to talk about with them. Um, now we move into another tier. This is kind of where I had, like, the bubble. I had two teams on this tier, uh, just kind of like bubble, where I don't really see them making playoffs, but, like, if one or two things broke the right way and someone else had some bad luck, I could see them in the second wild card spot or whatever. Um, how many teams do you have in this tier? Two as well. Okay. I wonder – I think it'll probably be the same two – who do you have at sixth in this division then? This was tough because I hate both of these teams equally. Uh, I guess the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay, so I have them fifth, still in this tier. I think you could flip. Uh, who did you have as the other team? Dallas. Yeah, okay. So I had Dallas sixth, Hawks fifth. I could see it really flipping either way. Let's go with the Hawks first then. Um, improved this offseason, but at quite the cost, that's for sure. Hugely improved, but they were so bad before. I still don't think they're a playoff team. No, like, and just like, so obviously our feelings on Seth Jones are known. We think he is not the number one defenseman people seem to think he is. He's never really been the number one defenseman people seem to think he is. Um, That being said, this defense core was so freaking terrible. I do think he makes it better. Yep. Yeah, it was so bad. He immediately becomes their number one defenseman, which I don't mean as a compliment. Yes. Like, they got their number one. It's just still not ideal, but it is technically their number one. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things, like, I guess we'll see in Columbus, but the only way Seth Jones is actually as good as some people think is if, like, and Columbus was so mediocre is like the entirety of the Columbus blue jackets are way worse than we think. Yeah. Or like Tortorella's system just absolutely killed Seth Jones, but like you would think that would help his numbers, not absolutely shell them. Yeah. Cause it seemed to prop up uh, the goalies at least by suppressing expected goals against, which is usually if your system's good at suppressing expected goals against, a really good way of propping up the Seth Joneses of the world who can't uh, can't defend the line to save their life and therefore have really mediocre defensive numbers. And mediocre might even be nice. They're kind of bad. Yeah, so uh, let's certain that, I guess. They obviously brought in the reigning Vesna winner, I believe. Yeah, he won the Vesna. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, 36 years old. They have Kevin Lankin in his backup. Uh, so, like, here's the thing. I, I feel like even more than the Jones one, people are looking at the net. They go, well, they got Marc-Andre Fleury in net. He just won the Vesna. This is going to be unreal. Um, a, 
the dude's 36 and he came off a year two years ago where he wasn't very good. Like it was clear that he was just fatigued, but he got, he's now had a Vesna season two years ago. He wasn't great. They had to bring Robin Leonard in as backup three years ago. He had an arguably Vesna season again, you know, like top five for sure. What is he going to be this year at age 36? Yeah, this is tough to project. And, like, even if he is Vesna good, do they make the playoffs? Maybe if, like, the Pacific is so bad, I could see them making the playoffs if, like, the Blues just take a step back or something. But Yeah, that's true. I keep forgetting how bad the Pacific is, so even if they don't make the top four, they should actually be able to get that fit, a spot in fifth. Yeah, like this fifth spot that I have them in might be a playoff team. Yeah, there's a decent chance. We'll get to the Pacific when we do it, but there's really only two, two locks, in my opinion, and one of the and, locks is even good. Yeah, I would say one of the locks is Mike Smith in that. Yeah, and actively made their defense core worse, and it wasn't good to begin with all offseason. Exactly. So, yeah, like the, there is a chance that the fifth team in this division, even with like, 89 points or whatever the hell, like 90 points makes the, the second wild card. Yeah, the West is bad. It's uh, how the tables have turned. Yeah, exactly. Like it uh, used to be that deep, deep division, and now there's two elite teams and like a couple other not horrible ones, I guess. Other than Colorado and uh, Vegas. Does the West even have another team as good as like Florida or the Islanders? Yeah, like I think Florida is definitely the third best team in this division if they came over. And like the Islanders, I think would be like a coin toss with the next one. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I think Boston be comfortably in there too. Yeah. And even like as low as we were on the Penguins this year, like, if you tell me the Penguins suddenly get Sid and Malkin back, like they're probably better than most teams in this conference as well. Yeah, pretty quickly. Even like, just Sid. Yeah, exactly. And like, even like, where does the Canadians fall in this conference? The Canadians are a playoff team in the Central Division, I think. Yeah, I would say they're like top two, maybe third in the Pacific. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. We had them over Edmonton pretty – or we were saying we'd rather have the Leafs play uh, Edmonton than them last year, so they could be two in the Pacific. That's wild. Yeah, exactly. That's just how weak this conference is, really. Um, So, yeah, like when when we come back to the Hawks here, um, you know, if if Fleury does put up a season like last year, you know, maybe they are in the playoffs. But I I think – and we'll get to their forwards in a second. I think, like, this team just gets absolutely destroyed by – the, uh, Colorado or Vegas, whoever gets more points by just dummying on the other teams. Watching the Avs play this team in the playoff series will be my hope. Like, I want so badly for them to just squeak in by, like, one point, talk about how good they are because they made the playoffs. This is proof that Seth Jones is actually an elite defenseman because him and Marc-Andre Fleury carried this team to the playoffs. And then to watch him just get turnstiled over and over and over and over again by the abs en route to like a sweep in the first round. You know, the narrative heading into that too would be like Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane have been there. They've gone the distance. They have a great chance here. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Somebody's talking themselves into it. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So up front, like I, I will be interested to see what Jonathan Taves has after basically like two years off. He didn't play at all last year and he was hurt a bunch, I believe, the year before that. Um, so Kane, Taves, Debrinkit. They picked up Tyler Johnson, which fine, like whatever. He should help. But like the, the four core was so underwhelming. He should help. Uh, it'll be interesting if Kirby Doc can take another step forward. Like that would be massive for them. Um, and then their bottom six will be like, Dylan Strom, Kubelik, Carpenter, Hendrick Borgstrom, Alex Nylander, like just not Jujar Carroll, just just kind of guys, you know? It's just so aggressively underwhelming. Yeah, which like the more I read off of this, like this very well could be a playoff team in this conference slash division. Yeah, yeah, they actually are. I forgot that five teams might make it in. So maybe if now that I'm looking at it, if Flurry is a Vesna guy, they will make the playoffs. Yes, but like – I'm just, I don't know. I, I feel like people are just chewing in Flurry to be at the very least very, very good. And I don't know if I have that confidence in a, a repeat season of what we saw last year, you know? Given his age and like the noise of goaltending, he's probably more likely to be below average than like a Vesna guy. Yeah. And like even like, if it's like the classic, like Lundquist was kind of the guy where it's like, all right, until he's actually bad, I'm not going to believe he's bad, you know? Yeah. Flurry yep. has been bad, like multiple times. <laughs> yes, like the, the, his career arc is the weirdest thing. Yeah, yeah, like Flurry. Flurry has been bad more than once. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I just think if he is below average, this team might be in trouble. But I could absolutely see where he is just kind of like even an average goalie. But the rest of the conference is just so bad that they sneak in the playoffs. And yeah, like they just think of it as a massive success just to get their doors blown off in round one yeah and you know if they make the playoffs there's gonna be seth jones articles about how oh, this is there will be so many victory laps oh yeah be like this is proof seth jones is a norris trophy level defenseman he'll probably get norris votes if they make the playoffs even if it's just because if it's just because flurry has a 930 like you know it's coming yeah, and it'll be like, this is proof you can win with a core that's 34, 35, you know, because, like, yeah. Taves and Kane are getting up there as well. Like, Yeah, and trust in the boys' experience with Kane and Taves. Like, yeah, so. The worst narratives are ready to come if this team does squeak in. Exactly. Um, the team that will probably be, uh, obviously, maybe there might be a team in the Pacific that gives them, you know, some competition for that wild card spot. But the other team, I had them sixth, you had them fifth, the Dallas Stars. Uh Health is the biggest question with this team. I like their roster on paper way, way, way more than the Blackhawks, but age and health have are just not really going for them, you know? Yeah, exactly. I was talking to Nate about the Dallas Stars because he was like, oh, yeah, they're going to be really good. And I was like, who on their team is going to, like, score for them? Like, what forward do they have that we expect to be really good next year? And his first answer was Rupe Hintz. <laughs> Yeah, like, I like Hintz and Garyanov, but not to lead your offense. Yeah, like, I don't respect to Nate, because I looked into it, and Rupe Hintz actually might be the guy most likely to be their best forward next year, and I would have never guessed that in a million years. But, like, if that's the first thing that comes to mind and it's not a joke, your team's going to struggle to score. Yeah, age is a factor here, but Joe Pawlowski had an unreal season last year, too, so... Yeah, and I expect, like, if he has great defensive results, but I don't really expect Pavelski to be an offensive 
force next year either. No, they desperately need Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn to throw it back a couple of years and Radulov too. But like two of those three guys need to play like it's 2017 or 2018 again. Yeah. Yeah. They need Ben to throw back like four years. Yeah. Cause I like that. Like if they get like a Tyler, like a peak, not even peak Tyler Sagan, but like close to put like let's say Tyler Sagan puts up 70 points in 82 games and Ben throws up 60 or whatever. This forward course only doesn't look horrible, right? Like you have Sagan, Ben, Pavelski, Radulov, Faxa, Hintz, Gurionov, and Kervanta, and then Jason Robertson. Like that's not a bad top 10 to have. Then you can fill in the gaps with Michael Raffle, Blake Como, like what Luke Glendale, whatever, right? Whatever, like it's yeah. not horrible if you get some normalcy from Sagan and Ben, but like Ben's 32, it plays a hard style game and just looks like he's done. Sagan missed all of last year as well. And I'm not even sure it's a given he's going to start this year. So, like, how realistic is it that you can get like 70 points out of any of these guys, you know? Yeah, it's one of those things where like you just say the word if, but the word if carries so much weight because it's so unlikely that, like, sure, any team can get super lucky. But luckily for them, the division, like we keep saying, conference is bad enough. They might be fine anyways, in terms of making the playoffs. Yeah, and, like, I don't mind their decor. Heiskanen, Lindell, Klingberg. Uh, they picked up Ryan Suter this offseason. Um, Sakara, Yanni, Hankapa, uh, and Joel Hanley. Um, fine. Like, Heiskanen taking, like, Heiskanen being, like, legit top 20, top 30 guy, like, would be really, really helpful for this team. I didn't think he played great last year. No, and the uh, the revival of John Klingberg would be pretty helpful, too. Yes. Um, what will be really interesting to see, if they're, like, four or five points out of a playoff spot come the deadline, do you flip John Klingberg? The smart thing to do would be yes, but absolutely not. They don't do it. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with it as well. Um, you know, even like Pavelski, like you probably could flip Radulov, Pavelski, and Klingberg and get like two to three first round picks and probably like a second or a th- like you can get a draft haul. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Imagine like everybody wants a top four, specifically, they'd prefer right handed puck moving defenseman at the trade deadline. If you could trade John Klingberg and retain half and you're selling him for $2 million with deadline cap space, like that's just the dream scenario. Yeah. Or even if you go him full and then retain half on Pavelski and Radulov. Yeah, true. Like, yeah, like you're like Klingberg would probably get a first. Pavelski, if he repeats his season from last, gets a second at worst. And Radulov probably gets like a second and a third or something like that. Right. Like, Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, obviously not rebuild complete, but, like, that kickstarts your rebuild where it's, like, suddenly you have two firsts, a couple seconds, you know, maybe a couple thirds, or, you know, maybe you go a second and a fifth or whatever, or a a couple fourths. Like, you suddenly just have picks to play with in what should be a deep draft. Yeah, which is a good spot to be in. Yeah, but by all accounts, they still think this core can go for it because they snuck to the – and like again, like I feel bad saying it's lucky. They played well in the bubble, but like them being in the cup, like you repeat that a bunch of times, they're not making the cup final very often. And even so, that was now two years ago. Yeah. And yeah, like a bunch of the players are gone. Some of them are hurt. 
they're all like the, it was a, considered an older core at the time. Yeah, and like Garyanov was like a huge surprise. It was good last year, but it's not like he took some huge step. Like yeah. since. Then. Yeah. So, and then in net, I'm not really sure what they're doing. They Jake Ottinger, who looked good last year in small spurts. Ben Bishop, they already had. It doesn't sound like Bishop's going to be playing this year, which is unfortunate because they went out and picked out Braden Holtby. So now they have Hudobin, Holtby, and Ottinger. I don't really understand the Holtby signing because, like, it's the plan to have 22-year-old Jake Ottinger in the minors again because that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, unless I think Hudobin's cooked. I guess, but, like, like I'm pretty sure Hudobin played 38 plus games last year. He played more than Ottinger. So I think the most likely scenario is they send the young goalie down because of some random argument people love to make about goalies in age. Yeah, which is idiotic because he played 29 games. He had a 9-11 save percentage. I'm pretty sure his adjust like his advanced numbers were they weren't like off the charts, but I'm pretty sure they were just fine. Yeah, and it was they he has a higher save percentage. Then Kudobin, they played behind the same defense. So that almost certainly means he was better. Holpe was Cheeks. So like Ottinger is probably their best option. Yeah. And like, even just like in the AHL, like he said, his past, like he, he played 38 games in 2019 20 in the AHL, 917. Boston U, he put up a 926. Like, and then a 9.15 and a 9.27. Like, I just, like, I don't really understand why you look at this guy and be like, no, he needs more AHL time. Yeah, I don't really get it. I would love to, like, really sit down and hash out the goalie logic with, like, a couple guys in hockey. Because I don't yeah. understand why it gets treated like a unicorn position that you have to wait, like, seven years longer to play people than forward. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. I don't really get it. But, um, yeah, another underwhelming team, I would say, but definitely has a chance at the playoffs this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, all right, let's move on to the next tier. I have three teams in this tier. This is the uh, wild card tier. Most of this is because how good, obviously, the abs are. That's not going to be a secret. We have them at one. I debated putting another team kind of in that top three tier, but I decided to go all three in the wild card tier because I think these three teams will be kind of close. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I Colorado's like so good. They get their own tier almost in any division. But honestly, I think if it was even like the Leafs or Boston, they'd get their own tier here. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, I think there's, there's one team I think I'm, I'm higher on especially versus last year, but uh, they're still, I think, a little ways away. Um, there's still big concerns with them. So uh, let's start with the fourth team in this division then the bottom team in this tier for you. Uh, who did you have? I know your thoughts on this team from last year. I'm going to assume we have the same team here, the Winnipeg Jets. No. See, this oh, is the wow. team I'm much higher on this year. Really? Interesting. They finally stopped ignoring their blue line. Yeah, they did. They finally did the thing they, that they should have been doing for forever. However, like, if they would have done this last year, their forwards still scare the hell out of me. Yeah, I still don't think Dylan DeMello is going to teach Kyle Connor to play defense is the problem. Yes. And that's going to be them having like a 48% XG. Yeah, but I'm excited to see what Hellebuck can do behind a decor that actually has six NHL players on it. 
Yeah, that's- I, I just I don't think it can be overstated enough how many bad players they were running. Like they were running out Derek Forbert on like top pair defense minutes constantly last year or top four. Yeah. Yeah, they have the potential for really big, like, non-linearities in the improvement because, like, their decor still isn't good. I don't think they really have a number one. Or Maybe, maybe you, could, you could argue Pionk, but yeah. definitely not, like, a stud number one, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And then it's not particularly deep, although it's, like, fine all the way through, but just how horrendous it was getting, like, within error bars of league average could be insanely helpful for this team. Literally. Like they went from, I think a bottom five defense core last year to like the 15th best. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around, I think within error bars of league average. Uh, yeah. One way or the other. Yeah. Like maybe they're like 13, maybe they're 18 or whatever, but like that jump right there should be like, cause I don't really expect Hellebuck. I mean, he's a great goalie, but like, what was his save percentage last year? I'm think I'm pretty sure it was just absolutely unreal. Nine nine sixteen, not actually like as high as I thought, but his obviously his goal saved above average were through the roof. Even if he takes like a step back from goal saved above average, I think that this defense core improving so much is going to mask a lot of that. Um, and I don't expect him to like obviously goalies are kind of random, but like. I don't expect Connor Hellebuck to be like the worst goalie in the league this year. Like, I think it's kind of foolish to expect that. Right. Yeah. Like um, goalies are weird. There's a chance he's bad, but you, you got to see it when somebody has been as good as he has, you have to watch him be bad for an extended period of time before you could ever really start entertaining the idea. Yeah. At, at the very worst, you can pencil him in as like a top 10 goalie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you want to say eight, because you're betting on a huge regression for some reason, um, like I guess. Yeah, but, and, and even that, like I, I think maybe the only thing that could get to him is games played. Like he just played a ton because um, yeah. they don't really trust the backup all that much. But like, yeah, so like with Hellebuck, so the reason I'm higher on this team is Hellebuck was just like an actual defense score that is not horrible. Like Neil Pionk, I think, you know, obviously Brady was asking us when we we're doing our defense. Right, uh, rankings, you know, where did we have Pionk? And he was one that I, I kind of forgot about, to be honest, but I have him just outside the top 20 in that like 25 to 30 ish range. But like his numbers have been really, really good since coming to uh, um, Winnipeg. Yeah, they're really strong at Winnipeg, especially on the power play. Um, that mm. does worry me a little bit because the Winnipeg power play was amazing without him. But uh, even at five on five, like he's still he's still definitely holding his head above water, despite not having good partners. Exactly. And so what I'm interested to see is, you know, like I like the Nate Schmidt pickup. He didn't have a great, great year in Vancouver, but he was still okay. If Schmidt can play with Pionk, if moving Morrissey down a pair to play with DeMello, if that takes some of the weight off his shoulders, where now you don't need Morrissey to be that stud number one, he can be like a three slash four kind of guy. Do you see his results improve? And then Obviously, Brendan Dillon is a solid left-hand shot as well. And then you have Nathan Beaulieu and Logan Stanley. Like, not great options, but, like, Logan, if you told me Logan Stanley is going to be a fine six this year, I would probably believe you. That's the thing. When you're talking about third-pair guys, the bar is set so low. As long as they haven't been, like, actively horrible, it's pretty easy to imagine guys putting up just league-average third-pair results. And I think they have – 
the potential to put in someone who could put well above average third pair of results if they play Vili Hanola. Yeah, that would be nice. I don't know why, but I doubt they will. Yeah, like... Although he was a first-round pick, correct? Yes. Yeah. So maybe, like, the bull use, like, two bad giveaways from Hanola playing. Who knows? Yeah, I agree. And the other thing is, I should say, too, is there... Uh, maybe Schmidt plays the right side because DeMello, Pionk, and Schmidt are the only three right-handed defensemen list on this roster. Hanola's left, Dylan's left, Morrissey's left, and Stanley's left, and then Bullyu's left slash right, but I don't think they're going to use Bullyu up the lineup at all. Um, so if they want Hanola in, their option might have to be to take Bullyu out, but... Yeah, I think I think he is the most logical guy to come out. It would make the most sense, probably. To us, but... Well, have, actually, uh, Stanley would be the most obvious, but that's not going to happen. So, yeah. Um, when you have uh, the genius knows Paul Maurice behind your bench, who knows what you're going to do? That's true. And that's why I'm worried because uh, this team has had a lot of talent for a long time and still managed to get absolutely fucking destroyed at five on five. Yes. Yeah. That, and that's very fair. Um, this is obviously you can say this about enough teams, but like this, I think might be the most extreme team of like, if you replace Maurice with even a league average coach, but go above that, like a Joel Quenville, oh, my God. God, like they wouldn't be Colorado avalanche level. I don't think, but like they would be just a, like clearly in their own tier, a step below Colorado, but like the obvious number two in this division. Oh yeah. Like if they did the, the reverse shovel day off and got randomly super aggressive and like fired Maurice for Gerard Gallant when he was available or something like that, it would look so much better. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. Um, I, I, I'm still just kind of high on them because I, I love Hellebuck. I think he's the best goalie in the league, maybe second best. I'll hear it, uh, a thing for Vasilevsky, but definitely in the regular season, he's been the best over the past couple of years. Um, the decor just not being absolute shit is it's much, much better. Um, you know, I want, what was your take on the Sammy Niku contract termination? Um, I think it speaks to like bad process on the Winnipeg Jets that it got there. Like, I don't know how you could take away basically any positives from what they did with them. Yes. I was not shocked when they actually cut it. I mean, I was surprised at first. And then I realized that he has not played well in the three years, but he has been put in such a bad uh, position development wise and everything that it's not, I don't think it's, really his fault or definitely not all his fault. Um, you know, the actual cutting, I wasn't surprised. And I think it speaks to how much better their blue line is, but yes, definitely from a standards process, it is what not to do. Yeah, exactly. It's like, given that you're here, i.e. Sammy Niku has been terrible. This move makes sense, but you should not be here in the first place. Yes. I, I agree with that for sure. Um, but yeah, I figured that would be good news to touch on as well. Um, yeah, up front, this is what still really scares me about this team. Um, Blake Wheeler has been an atrocity at five on five. They're going to get their points. Like the, I think the power play should still be unreal. Um, yeah. the, the Similar one, to what we talked about Washington. Yes. Like this power play being good is really bankable. Yes, exactly. Right. And like Kyle Connor will get his points. Um, you know, for this team to really take the next step, I think they A, need to just play Ehlers more. Play Ehlers like he's like playing the way the Leafs use Marner kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
And B, I think Peter Luke Dubois really needs to show he's at least like a 25 to 30-ish C. Yeah. Yeah. Pierre Luc Dubois going back to being a good play driver would be huge for these guys. Because if he's as mediocre as he looked since getting there, that is a humongous hole. Yes. Yeah. And but if you know, if he if he does show what he has at times before in his career, that is suddenly a strength, at least in this division. You know, obviously I think Shifley. I think it was Don Lashizan who tweeted out whoever Shifley's marketing team is does the absolute best to get him so high on like the NHL top 50 list every year, but he is a good center. Man. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a good, but flawed center. It's kind of, he reminds me of like a Tavares, just like marginally worse. Walmart version. Yeah. Like we have John Tavares at home. It's Mark Shifley. But for some reason, yeah. people just fucking love Mark Shifley. He kind of reminds me of like, and obviously not the exact player style, but like what Kyle Turris was with Ottawa to speak. Yeah, like, I can see that. Maybe and maybe a little better, but like by definition, he is a one C, but like he's not a stud one C or anything. And you know, to make it work, you need a second kind of fringe one C, which I think Dubois could be, but he needs to show that because he was not that this year or this past year. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's like it's not the worst bet to be like, hey. We want Pierre-Luc Dubois to be really good for us because he has shown flashes in the past, but he just hasn't shown it in Winnipeg yet, and he needs to do that. Yeah, um, and then Kristen, Kristen Veselainen is another uh, name I'm going to keep an eye on. 22-year-old winger. Um, he had some hype you know, for the past couple of years, so it'll be interesting to see if he can break into the league this year and make a difference. He played 12 games with the Jets last year, only at one point. Um, put up 30 games and 60 points with the Moose and 13 and 22 two years ago. Um, so he's had mixed results, but he looked pretty good in the KHL when he got to play and Liga as well. So it'll be interesting to see if he can give their depth at least a little bit of a jolt. Um, that'll be the biggest thing, I think, for them. Like, I, I'm not really – I think their defense is fine enough to just kind of be average. Obviously, Hellebuck's in net. It's really going to depend what they can do up front. If they get that really strong second C, I think this team – is better than for sure one team in this division and very, very close, if not better than a second, mostly due to goaltending. Uh, I'm sorry, in this tier, I should say, obviously they're better than a few teams in this division, but if Dubois looks like he does, he did last year with Winnipeg. Yeah. I could see this team being fourth very quickly. Yeah. That's why I like, it's pretty easy to imagine them coming to all you have to say is Hellbuck's amazing behind a league average decor. And then given how good their power play is, boom, they're pretty automatically the second best team in the division. Then I'd say, or they come second, at least the problem is like that's betting on the most unsustainable position in hockey. And it's not like Hellebuck's never been bad in the NHL either. Yeah. Like, was it four, three years ago, four years ago, we were talking about how he used to be one year on one year off. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. He, he's been raw save percentage wise kind of one year on one year off now of course that's going to be pretty skewed because last year his raw save percentage doesn't look great even though he was freaking amazing yeah 100 um yeah so i'm um, and that's fair like i just think you know he's shown it for two or three years now where it's like if he was like an atrocity this year i would be pretty surprised like relatively speaking obviously any goalie can be bad and it won't be surprising yeah. but 
The problem is, is like when they're a 48% XG team, even with the improved decor, if he's league average, that gets tough really quickly. It could, yes. And they don't really have a backup option. Like Eric Comrie is 27 now, 26. Yeah. Like, Yeah, because like their results have been mediocre when Hellebuck's putting up Vesna numbers. Yeah. Also, I guess the other question is, do you think Cole Perfetti makes this team? Well, that's a good question. I don't know exactly how the wings are supposed to look, but if you could put him on like a third scoring line, that yeah, and I mean he's listed as a center too. Like he did really well um, in the AHL last year after destroying the OHL year before that. So it would not shock me if you can find a spot on like an offensively deployed line. The problem is, I think Lowry mans that third line. And I, that's yeah. what they use is that checking line, right? Like, which I don't know if I really agree with it, but but if you could do like Perfetti, Statsny, and like Riley Nash, something like that, yeah, you could do worse, I think, to break a guy into the NHL. Yeah, I'd be into that. The problem for Perfetti will just be like if Lowry, if Lowry's manning a third line, that's just going to be checking. They're not going to want to play them there. And then teams just really hate the idea of playing prospects on the fourth line, even if it is offensively deployed. Yeah, that, that's very true. And like, I don't like, I'm pretty sure I saw a poll from like Jets fans that like they were not confident Perfetti would play many games at all this year, unfortunately. But now it could be one of those things where they, they have no intentions of playing him. Statsny gets hurt and then boom, he's in the top six. Yeah. Or like stat or yeah. Like Shifley suspended, right? Like, if yeah, he has a good camp. Or like like Connor goes down and they want another shooter or something. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I hope we get to see him. Like, I, I think, and again, like it's tough to balance, but like he's been so good in the minors. I don't really see what another season down would do. And I get you're trying to balance competing and going, or like, you know, the future and competing. But like, I think him being on the roster gives you a better chance of competing because yes, he probably has a lower floor than some of the guys, but his ceiling is so much higher that like, when you're not clearly the best team in your division, you should be looking for those high ceiling players. A hundred percent, especially because like the it's really hard to score over a point a game in the AHL. Even like I think 21-year-old Nylander was barely over it. And Perfetti was already approaching that. So like the sort of marginal improvement that he can make, even if he becomes literally the best player in the entire AHL, isn't that high. Mm-hmm. So, like, at some point, you're just going to have to play him in the NHL and let him figure it out. Agreed. Yep. So, that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. So, I had them two. You had them four. Uh, I had the Blues four. Yeah, I had the Blues three. <laughs> I, You know, I, I like this team's offseason. I just – I really do, too, actually. Something about it – I don't know if it's Jordan Bennington and Ned. Something about it just kind of screams that their time has passed. Oh, I think having them three is more of a shot at the rest of the division, in my opinion, than a compliment to how well this team's constructed. But, like, I really – like, I think they did get clearly better this off. Like, they were a distant fourth in um, their division last year when we were expecting them to be an easy third and then obviously Minnesota surprised. But, yeah. like, yeah, like, adding Brandon Saad and Pavel – like, the Puchnevich trade was just chef's Ew. kiss. Yeah. Like – and they still need to re-sign Robert Thomas, which it doesn't sound like they're really um, close there. 
But yeah, like, I, I did any cap space. Yeah, I, I know. That's the thing, right? Like, unless a Tarasenko trade is on the way. Yeah, and they must be banking on that, which is weird because, like, I don't know why Robert Thomas is the guy you wait on. Like, he's been good. Not been like a god or anything, but he's been a very good young player thus far. Yeah, Lambert on Puck Soup was mentioning that. I think he wrote about it for your uh, EP Ringside as well, where he's like, why is this the guy that you feel you need to hassle for every diamond cent? You know, like apparently like the rumor was he was asking like Jordan Cairo money, which is 2.8, maybe a little more than that. Like, how are you going? No, you're not worth Jordan Cairo. Yeah. Like he's definitely worth Jordan Cairo money. I would give him a four by four in a heartbeat. Yeah. That's giving Robert Thomas a four by four is usually the kind of RFA deal that ends up as a steal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know why they're nickel and diming him either, but uh, assuming he will get signed, because like I don't see him going the whole season not getting signed, but assuming he does get signed, uh, I'm guessing a Tarasenko trade's on the way, but maybe you start with Tarasenko, see where things go. Even excluding Tarasenko, I like their top six, top nine-ish, like O'Reilly, Tom, uh, Robert Thomas, uh, Braden Shen, Buchnevich, Saad, uh, Kairou, Barbashev's uh, kind of shit, actually, uh, but David Perron, uh, Sunquist, you know, like Kyle Clifford will be a fine fourth liner. They re-signed Bozak. So like a Bozak, Clifford, Barbashev fourth line is whatever. Like I, I don't, I don't mind their forwards at all. Like I, I think they really need Ryan O'Reilly to be peak Ryan O'Reilly from two years ago. And they need Bucinevich to actually break out for that high end talent to hit, but they have a good group of forwards. That's for sure. Yeah. And neither of those two things you mentioned are guaranteed. But those are really good bets. Like Ryan O'Reilly being great and Vujnevic, who's been nothing but freaking amazing in a small sample breaking out, those are as realistic as a bets as you could possibly have. Yeah. My big problem with this team, I think, is the defense core. Um, Perry yeah, Aiko struggled. The defense now, core is ugly now that Perry goes not like a god. Yeah. Maybe it was just a shortened season. You know, we talked about that last year, how – you know, it kind of can, you know, sway perception. If you, if you were injured for part of the year, well, suddenly you're only playing 40 games. That's half a normal year, right? Like we could, we've seen guys who just throw that data out because it, it didn't mean anything. So like they really need him to bounce back because like, I don't know, Tory Krug might get a little better than he was last year, but I think even to peak Tory Krug, it's not like he was an absolute stud number one or anything like that. No, he's like the perfect complimentary guy. Yeah, and then you have Justin Falk and Scandella and Bortuzzo and then a couple 25, 26-year-olds who are just not great. Yeah, and, like, Falk's fine, but, I mean, Falk's big thing was always power play value, and then they signed Tory Krug for a ton of money, whose primary thing is power play value in a league in which one defenseman plays on the power play. That will never not be funny to me. Yeah, exactly. Like, you kind of cut him out on the knees, and, like, now if Justin Falk's your three, that's not really ideal. No, because at five on five, he leaves a lot to be desired. Yes. Um, and then you have Jordan Bennington and Billy Huso in that. What, what are you, what's your opinion on Bennington? His numbers, like on aggregate over his career, are a lot better than I expected. I still don't trust him. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of, I think he's just like the 15th best goalie in the league. Yeah, I think he's like that Jack Campbell tier. 
Like, yeah, and like you're not really thrilled about him being your starter, but also you kind of look around and you're like, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, and I, I like I guess the one thing about Bennington, but uh, you know, uh, no, I was gonna say the one thing about Bennington is we've seen him be able to take the team to the Cup final, but that team was so dominant at five on five. Yeah, they were really freaking good, and like, like he hasn't been that good since either. No, and like. Like I was going to say, mate, like if you have the 15th best goalie in the league, but you know he can hit that peak once in a while, like that's not a bad bet to have if you have a good roster. It's kind of like the football thing, right? Where it's like, if you can't find a top five QB, find like an eight to 15 that you know can play into that top five range for a couple of weeks. But like, yeah. I'm just not, A, I'm not confident he can actually do that. And B, I don't think that roster, this roster is good enough for it anymore. No, I don't think the roster is good enough to hold anybody's hands. I think it's definitely good enough to get him in the playoffs in this division, even if he struggles, as long as he isn't like actively horrific. But come playoff time, they're going to get exposed. Yeah, this is one of those teams I feel like has a really high floor, but a really low ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to imagine them. Like, it would take a comedy of errors for them to get out of the second round because it would mean they'd have to knock off Colorado. Yeah, and obviously outside of, like, a massive injury or something, like, I think it would take quite a bit for them to completely miss as well by a long shot, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, even with O'Reilly out, they still probably have enough just, like, depth to squeak out fifth in the division and the eighth-place playoff seat. Yeah, whereas, like, the Jets... I could absolutely see a world where their forwards are just dog shit again and they just drop in the standings and they're almost a lottery team or like bottom 10. I can also see a world where Connor Hellebuck stands on his absolute head and they're out of round two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Jets, like if Hellebuck gets hurt on the first day of the season, the Jets could be like the fifth worst team in the league. Yes. And, but, you know, if he stays healthy and that decor is just okay and the forwards are even just okay, like, this, I think they could easily roll in this division, obviously not besides Colorado. And then it just depends what they do with Colorado. But, exactly. you know, and obviously the Colorado would be favored, but it's like I can see that a, a way the Jets get passed. I don't really see a way this Blues team gets passed. No. Minus just a ridiculous PDO bender. Yeah, or like Kemper goes down hurt and they're playing Hunter Miska or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's just hard to imagine anything tactically they can do because the the high end talent just isn't there. No, not like in bundles, right? Like, unless like Robert Thomas and Kyra take another step forward. Yeah, and like a huge step forward because they've been good in the NHL, but they have not even sniffed greatness. Never mind uh, like strong link, number one center kind of or number one forward kind of results. Exactly. So. Um, all right, let's get to the team. I had three, you had uh, two then, I'm assuming. If I'm doing my math correct here, the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, which is funny because I was a lot uh, lower on Minnesota than you last year, and I'm still not that high on them, but uh, they kind of just defaulted their way into two for me. I'm, yeah, I'm not really high on this team either. I, I think I'm, I was yeah, higher on them last year for sure. Like, I, I thought they were going to be all right. I thought they were clear number four in the division where I don't think you had them as a playoff team right off the bat. I didn't see them being the undisputed number three, taking Vegas to seven games or anything like that. Um, 
but I, I feel like they're getting overhyped this year. Uh, like, yeah. I, I feel gross having them too. I could yeah, hear like, This is another team where I think they – I don't think this team has a high ceiling, but I also don't think they have a super high floor, which kind of scares me. I think they have a decent floor. Um, they've been a really good XG team. So even if the goaltending kind of falls off, they've been strong enough at five on five to just carry horrible goaltending to decent results at least and squeak out like a seventh place seed. That's true. I guess they did have Devin Dunick in a while. Like Cam, so like the biggest thing for me is Cam Talbot was really good last year, like above average, solid goaltender, right? Like top yep. 10 in the league, even if it's close like eight to 10 or whatever. He's 34, and, like, I've been higher on Talbot than most people, but, like, I'm not just going to pencil him in for another really, really, really good year at 34. No, that's tough. And his backup, I've said it before on this podcast, I don't know what the hype is about Capo Kakinen. That dude was ass last year. Yep. Yeah, Kakinen is not a great goalie. And even in front of that really good system that's propped up Devin Dubnik for so long. Yeah. So like that, that kind of scares me about this team. Um, I, I like their decor, obviously Spurgeon, Brodine, Dumba, Goligoski, Ben, Kulikov, Mer- Merrill, like just, it's been the decor that has just helped them suppress shots for so long. Right. Like it just really hasn't changed a ton. No, it just kind of is what it is. No suitor, but Goligoski uh, is actually still, still not bad given his age. I don't think there's that much value lost there between Goligoski and Suter. The decor yeah, exactly. is what it is. Especially when Brodine, Spurgeon, and Dunbar are so, such a solid top three. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, up front, we'll get to it's the extension certain. in a second. Like, I don't love this team up front. I like They're going to drive play well. They always do. But, like, I guess the, the big thing is, is Kaprasov as electric? as what he looked last year. Is he that big of a difference maker? Can he even take another step forward? Or was it maybe more goaltending than people thought? And Kaprasov, sure, he made a difference and helped, but not to the degree that, you know, I think he was getting credit to at times. Yeah, and like Kaprasov wasn't an amazing play driver. So the question is, is he legitimately like a top 10 finisher in the entire NHL? Which, given what we've seen out of the KHL, like, if he might turns up being yes, I wouldn't be, like, shocked, shocked. No, he's as good a bet as anyone not named, like, Pasternak, Point, or, I mean, Stamkos, Matthews. Like, the, the very clear tier, like, if remove those guys, he's as good as a bet as anyone in that second tier. But mm-hmm. still shooting talent, which is really noisy. Yeah, um, so obviously the big news today, and I'm, I'm glad it happened today. I would have pissed if it happened tomorrow. Uh, he signs a five-year deal, eats up, I think, two years of UFA, maybe three. He's 24 now, so I think it'd be two. A five-year deal, $9 million AAV, so they are banking on the shooting talent. Um, high AAV, to be honest. I, I like. It sounded like Minnesota won on an eight-year deal closer to nine, but he thinks he's a $10, $11 million player, true talent-wise. Um, I thought maybe on a five-year deal, it'd come closer to seven and a half, eight, not nine. 7.8 was what the twins had projected. Yeah. So like slight overpayment. I would be less mad about this if they didn't have 20 million fucking dollars or whatever it is tied up 
in dead money over the next couple of years. Yeah. And there, there are playoff, like the playoff series results are why, but like the Mitch Marner contract is far and away the most complained about contract in the entire NHL, not even close. I much prefer the Mitch Marner contract to this contract. Yeah. Like, you know, at worst, you're getting like a point per game player with Mitch Marner. Kaprasov wasn't even point per game last year. Yeah. And that was like the finishing results were ridiculous there. And again, they very well might be real, but we're still talking about 55 games of finishing talent. Yeah. Like there's a non-zero chance that like, we come out of this year being like, oh, God. Yep. It, lo- it could look like the Keller contract. It's like style. Yeah. And like. Or you're like, again, like not the worst, but you're definitely not thrilled about it. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, where, where it falls. But like, again, like, do we think he's a pure 17% shooter? Yeah, exactly. Is he peak Stamkos? <laughs> Like, like, if not, there goes his most valuable thing. Yeah, because he had 27 goals, 24 assists in 55 games last year. That's, you know, again, a great pace. And, like, I'm not – again, if there's someone to bet on, sure, it's him. But for goals, like, that's a 40-goal pace. Even if he goes down to 14%, like, that's closer to 30 then, right? 32, 33, where it's like, ooh, suddenly you're playing – $90 million for like a 32, 65 point player. That's yeah. a lot of money. If that goes down to 14 or 13 or 12 or whatever, and he's 30 goal scorer, you're paying $9 million for William Nylander. Yeah. And like, which like, yeah, like it's an overpay, I think a little bit relative to an RFA contract, which means pure on ice value. It should be fine. But I, I don't know. I'm kind of confused why this contract was so beloved on Twitter today. And I just think like people don't realize that Kaprasov didn't try to play all that well. They saw the flashy goal score. And like, again, he is a dynamic goal scorer. I'm sure he will probably score 30 goals next year, but like he's got to be like a 35, 40 goal scorer, or he's got to score 30, but actually be like a good play driver, you know? Yeah, exactly. And he is like, it feels like he's been around forever. That was his age 23 season, if I remember correctly. So he could still quite easily take a step, but it just kind of felt like a lot for a guy who, in my opinion, either needs to take a step or prove he's like the 10th best finisher in the NHL to make this worthwhile. And neither of those things are certain to me or even that close to it. Yeah. Like coming into the season, people weren't sure how, good he was going to be. And I think that was like the best possible outcome he could have had. Yeah. And Minnesota's betting on it still getting better, you know? Yeah. They're betting on, I think like, I think this is them assuming he is going to get a decent or at least a little bit better. Absolutely. Yes. I, I'm sure they signed this contract thinking he is the face of the franchise, 40 goal scorer, 82 point play, like point per game player, you know, star stud winger. You don't give a guy nine mil per when you don't think that. Yeah, after 55 games. Yeah, especially when you're in the cap situation that you're in too. Which is a big part of why they want to buy him out, buy those guys out so they had cost certainty so they could get this deal done apparently. Which is still a really stupid argument to me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we've gone over that. I uh, don't disagree. Um, the other big 
concern I have is look at this team's goddamn center depth, dude. Yeah, I really like Eric's neck, but my God, it's ugly. <laughs> Victor Rask, who was atrocious for a while. I think he had a good season last year, but has not been great. Frederick Goudreau, Nico uh, Sturm, and Joseph Cremorosa. Yeah, and what scares me about Rask is like, you can say, oh, well, now that he's in a really good system that props players 5 by 5 results up, he's worked out in Minnesota. Victor Rask managed to be horrible at 5-on-5 five five in Carolina. Yeah. And like, even, I that, think there's year, downside risk there hugely. I'm, I'm pretty sure his first year in Minnesota was just as atrocious, too. Probably. I mean, like I said, he was legitimately horrendous for the Hurricanes. So Yeah. So if he was like that for the Wild, it would not shock me. Although I do, like you said, I do believe he was decent last year. What I am interested to see is if a player like Matthew Boldy can make this team. He's a centerman, 20 years old. Uh, I believe he was a high draft pick. Uh, yep, 12th overall, 2019. Um, last year, in it was only 14 games. We had 18 points in the NHL in 14 games, over a point per game. 31 and 22 at Boston College last year. Uh, point per game at the World Junior Tournament. Um, 26 and 34. Um, two years ago at Boston College. Like, he's just kind of destroyed everywhere he's been. So Him being a great, like offensively deployed three C, even if that still means Rask is getting caved in at two C would be huge. Yes. Uh, agreed. So that, that would be something I'm interested to see. Um, obviously, you know, you look on the wings, Kaprasov, uh, it would be interesting if Zuccarello can get healthy again. Uh, Fiala, we both really like uh, Marcus Polino is a solid player. Jordan Greenway is a really solid player. Ryan Hartman is fine. Bukestad is fine. Like they're just kind of okay, but yeah, like, if Kaprasov isn't the star talent and, um, you know, someone like Boldy can't make a difference, they're going to be dying for goals. And that scares me a little. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be, even if Kaprasov's good, uh, Fiala has kind of got his coming out party. Taking another step would be the next realistic way for them to not just be completely offense starved. Yes, exactly. Um, it's, it's almost a shame because this team kind of feels like they have like three different cores that are just all going to be kind of out of each other's range. Like they have that old core that's kind of still here with like Spurgeon and Brodeen and Dumbo, but they're like getting older as well. And obviously Suter and Parise. And then yeah. you have this new core of like Kaprasov, Fiala and Erickson Eck that are all 24 to 25. And then you have like the Boldy and Marco Rossi that are 19 and 20. It's like, if you could combine even two of those, this team would have been good at one. Like really yeah. good at one point. Yeah, like if you knew you were getting 22-year-old Rossi and Boldy right now, they would be yeah. assuming one of those two ends up being quite good, even if the other bus, like one of those two being a legit like one C that you could play on the second line would make this team slam dunk second in the division, I think. Yeah, or like a one C you can play on the first line and then have Kaprasov play on like a second line where he doesn't need to drive play. Yeah, exactly. Or you just knew like you were getting peak Norris Trophy Spurgeon or something like that. Yeah, with like even like a 65, 70 point Parise. Like that would be unreal. Yeah. Yeah. But, and like top four suitor as well, kind of thing. Yeah. And, and like, granted, there's a bunch of teams you can do that for, but this team specifically feels like it's like, man, there's like three defined eras here. And it's tough that not one of them could kind of fit together better. Yeah. Especially since. Boldy and Rossi are like so good for 
not high picks. Not lottery. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Like it's, it's rare for teams to have two prospects of that quality outside of the top five or top 10 or Rossi was inside the top 10, but outside the top five. Yeah. And even Rossi was nine, nine or 10, I think. So here's nine. Yeah. Um, all right. On to the number one team here. Uh, we're going a little long and sorry, Avalanche fan. I don't think this one's going to be long because there's just, it's classic. There's not a ton of time. Like when it came to Tampa, there wasn't a ton to talk about. This team is just so freaking good. Again, um, I think they got a little worse in the offseason, but they were so they had so high to come down from. It doesn't matter. Uh, losing Brandon Sog kind of hurts. I'm going to be interested to see if um, they can replace him internally. Um, and obviously, Alex Newhook is the guy they're going to be looking to try and hope to do that. Uh, they also lost Donskoy. So maybe you say like Newhook replaces Donskoy, which would be more realistic as like a third liner. And then you're kind of left without a top six forward there. Um, but this team is just so gross still. Obviously, Ranton and Landis McKinnon, Burkowski, Kadri, Comfort, Natushkin, Tyson Yost. Uh, they signed Darren Helm. And then, as I mentioned, they have Newhook. Uh, Martin Kout as well is going to look to try and make this team in the bottom six. Uh, and then, you know, e- even down the line, like they still have like John Luke Foodie, who's supposed to be really good as well. So it's just kind of gross. Yeah, I really like Brandon Saad. And it's worth like not completely overlooking that loss because he's a legitimately good player who filled in perfectly for this team. But the fact that they just absolutely ran the league over and the biggest adversity they're facing going into the year is we lost Brandon Saad is uh, pretty much all you need to know about this team. Not to mention their division got worse this year. Yeah. They had Vegas in the division last year, at least. And all this year. They might've gotten an upgrade in that. Yeah, that'll be I'm, – I'm really curious to see. So I think it's the kind of the classic where it's like I think Pete Kemper is much better than Pete Grubauer, but how much can you trust Kemper to stay healthy is going to be the big question. Yeah, that'll be tough. And knowing the Avs and their injury luck, <laughs> that like that's tough. Yeah, like going into the season with Kemper and Frank Hoos as your one-two should on paper be really good because Frank Hoos has been good every time he's played. The dude has just not been able to stay healthy either. Yeah. Yeah. So glass house in that, although I do expect this team to be like a 55% XG team that can still win games with the third string goalie putting up an 899. Yes. They, they literally just need health when it comes to playoffs. Yep. Like this team is making the play there. What Kemper, Frank, who's McCarr and McKinnon would all have to go down. I think for this team not to make playoffs. And even then I think they would still maybe be a bubble team. Probably, like, on the edge. Yeah, and, like, even last year, didn't, uh, like, Ranton in this time, McKinnon, McKinnon miss some time, McCarr missed some time, McCarr McCarr missed some time, missed some time. Gerard yeah. missed some time. And they were still the best team in the league. Like, yeah, like, they were casually just playing guys that, like, like Dennis Gilbert last year yeah. and just running over teams at five on five. And, like, that was McCarr's age, what, 20 one or 22 one. season. He's 22 now. Yeah. So Makar is at the age where people still realistically could take large steps. Now he's so good. A large step's almost impossible because a large step would mean he's like Bobby Orr, but like still. It, like, just the fact that this decor might've got better this year. Yeah. They have the best decor in the NHL. Correct. Yes. Especially now that Carolina has been dismantled. Nashville has been dismantled. Absolutely. Yeah. By far too. Like 
And like, it just depends. I guess it depends how you feel about Ryan Graves versus Ryan Murray. But like, I think at worst, that's neutral, maybe even a slight upgrade. Yeah, exactly. And like, they have three top 20 defensemen plus and, the guy who's at worst two. And Bowen Byram. Yeah is coming in on the third pair, you know, like, like they're going to be able to run, like they're literally their top four is going to be McCarr, uh, Gerard, Taves, Murray. Now that they have a bit of a left, right. Maybe Murray slides to the right. And then like Bo and Byram and Eric Johnson as your third pair. And like, even Eric Johnson, like, like that's a good number six. That's an amazing number six. <laughs> so like, obviously, you don't want to be paying your number six, six million dollars, which they are right now. But I think that'll be a problem for the offseason. But like for this season, like when Eric Johnson is your number six, it's like, oh, yeah, things are probably going very well for your team. Oh, yeah. Like Eric Johnson anywhere off your top pair. You're pretty happy with him. Yeah. Um, he reminds me of that, like Ryan McDonough style player. Like with Eric Johnson, you're paying for certainty. Could a rookie do it better? Could some rookie do it better? Yeah, I'm sure some of them definitely can. But, like, you know Johnson can just kind of play that number four or whatever comfortably and do what you need him to do. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the odds are. But this feels like this. This team feels like they should be absolute overwhelming favorites for the President's Trophy this year, in my opinion. They have the best cup odds in the league. That does not shock me, and I think that is correct. Yeah, Vegas is really high on this team. If you want to make an argument for Tampa, um, obviously I, I would respect it. Tampa has back-to-back cups, but given what Tampa lost and how freaking good Colorado was last year in spite of the fact they got bounced kind of early, I think it's definitely the right thing to have them as number one. I would bet straight up Colorado over Tampa to win the cup next Not year. to mention the division is just so much harder. Like Tampa has to go through two of – Two out of three, likely, of Florida, Toronto, Boston. Yeah. This team could play, like, the Hawks and then, like, the Jets en route to a conference final. Yeah. And then all it takes is, like, a Connor McDavid God Series against Vegas that you're playing a McDavid Dreisaitl and no one else in the conference final. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to, to me, this team should be the overwhelming favorites for President's Trophy. We'll obviously get into Vegas next week. They have a really good team and a real shit division, but like this team, I think, is just so much better rounded as well. Yeah, exactly. I think you don't even need to get in the division. Yeah, I, I think that. I think you can make the argument this is just the best overall. I would still lean Tampa if we're going just like everything else equal, but like they're so close. And it's the only reason I have Tampa is kind of the okay. I'm going to do this until I see a proof wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's more than fair. But it isn't like, is Hedman hurt too? Uh, yes, but I think he is going to start the season. Okay. I know he had surgery, but it, it sounds like he will. Like, I, from what I've seen, I don't think it's like, it's not a Kucherov situation from what I can tell. He's going to play. But yeah, this team's ridiculous. I look forward to seeing them run over the league and seeing all the Macar highlights that will certainly come out of this year. Yes, absolutely. Nathan McKinnon. Um, That's the other thing. We didn't even say McKinnon's name yet. He's got to be, what, <laughs> the fourth or third most likely player to win the Hart Trophy? Yeah, yes. Yeah, like exactly, right? So as long as he's staying off the sugar or his teammates are staying off sugar. True. God, I that meme got so overdone, but I still laughed at every single one. I loved the uh, 
did you see him talk about the sugar one? And then it was the, he said that was his favorite. It was the cocaine tweet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, yeah, there was one about sugar that made me laugh. Or like the, the other one I, I asked, he's like, what do you say? He's like, I like to go to eat once in a while. I'm a normal guy. It's like, it reminded me that the people bring up the, don't ask me about my t-shirt. Is that again, bringing a lot of questions? <laughs> yeah. About my t-shirt? My t-shirt, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's one of those where it's like, yeah, I'm a normal guy. Don't worry about it. It's like, God damn it. But um yeah, no, this, this team will be absolutely dominant this year. Um, and I, I think, like, this is the lock of the league to make playoffs. Oh, yeah. Like, Easy. again, because, like, I said, like, they could lose their number one goalie, their number one defenseman, number one center, all of whom, I mean, I think, you know, a top three center and a top two defenseman and then a top ten goalie. And I still think they make the playoffs. If Tampa did that, I think they'd be in a lot of trouble just because of the division they're in. Like this has to be the lock. Yeah, Tampa could get in trouble pretty quickly with just like one big injury and Vasilevsky playing bad or getting hurt as well. Yeah, just because so. that division's so ridiculous, and the Metro will be competitive enough to send multiple teams if the Atlantic struggles. Exactly. But yeah. Um, so that's our central division preview. Uh, next week, obviously, we'll be coming on with you with the final one, the Pacific, uh, which I think will be a lot more negative than positive. <laughs> I'm just judging by the teams there, but uh, it'll be interesting anyways, because that, that division's a bit of a shit show, especially for that, that third divisional spot will be quite the interesting race um, and maybe not in a positive, uh, but I uh, hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, if there is anything you want to hear coming forward into this season, please let us know. Uh, we're always open to ideas. I think I speak for both Chase and I when we're excited for another season. I think this is maybe the fourth NHL season of us doing this. I was going to guess three, but it could be four. I can't remember when exactly we started. It's either the third full one and like maybe fourth half of one. Because I want to say we maybe started. No, we started in the summer. So maybe this is the third full year. Um, but yeah, we're always looking to expand and, you know, if there's any topics you want to see us cover. Absolutely. Um, I can't remember if I plugged my article. Yes, I did last week. I wrote about uh, the Ottawa Senators using Michael Delzato as a shutdown defenseman, um, which they are going into camp with. So that's not great. Uh, but you check all my work out at lastwordonhockey.com. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sentence and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Thank you everyone so much for listening and we will talk to you all next week.